Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show for October 19th, 2021. Timothy Michael McKernan, Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle Sauce Boss from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Jackson, let me tell you something. I yep. want you to listen, and I need you to listen good to this. Uh, I'm on it. We are loaded. I mean loaded. This is easily a QFTA record with regards to the emails. And on top of it, I mean, I didn't even have to delete any or just say, hey, you know, I appreciate it. Something we probably wouldn't discuss in the podcast in response to an email. They are so good. And and most of them have been sent here over the last two days. Mm-hmm. But there are a bunch from last week that were good. Uh, we're just loaded for bear. Now, oh. as we like to do or as I like to do on the podcast, here's what we got today. I got a doctor's appointment at noon. It's 10.09 Central as I'm talking to you. All right. Mm-hmm. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah. I'm going to leave here no later than 1140. Okay. So that means we've got 90 minutes, theoretically, yeah. of podcasting to do. Knowing how many questions we have, both in my email inbox, in the QFTA folder, in my email inbox, for those of you hacking into it, and... On the TMA fan page, although most of these are emails, uh, there are some good ones on the fan page as well, but most of our emails. How many will we get through knowing that we have 90 minutes? Over, under, I will set at five and a half. Oh, wow. Under. Oh, my uh, God. Under. Under, under, under. You felt like you just got great value. You yeah. felt like the morning when you saw the Texas A&M Missouri spread. Yeah, and, but I actually took Missouri. So, <laughs> so Did you really? In the pick six, I sure did. Wow. I just had to throw something out there. Um, yes, yeah, five and a half, I'm going to take the under. I was going to set it at three and a half, and I still think there might be a value in the under. <laughs> you think you can get three and a half at plus 150 and might as well bet it? Yeah, we just get into stuff, and it's tough to Well, the questions are asked, and then somehow, as I'm answering, is I'm just snorting Adderall. Yeah, so much. Uh, that uh, that it hits my mind in something else. Yep. And then I go down that rabbit hole, and then I'm like, oh, fuck, this isn't what anybody asked for. I'm just talking right now. Yeah. I, I played golf yesterday mm-hmm. with my my best man for my first wedding, so that shows you how close, you know, we I, I say we are, but I never see him anymore. He mm-hmm. still lives in St. Louis, but he's got three grown kids relative to to my family situation with a four-year-old and a 25-week pregnant uh, wife. And he's got a daughter in college and a son in high school and a daughter who's getting ready to start high school. So different points in life. And 
And, uh, and so we don't see each other like we used to. I mean, shit, we grew up in the same neighborhood, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, he asked a question that I guess would more often be asked by somebody who is just maybe meeting me and listens to the show or listens to the podcast. And he goes, how do you talk that long? <laughs> and I go, I don't know. And my dad was in the foursome along with another friend of mine from grade school. I saw the thread on the fan page um, a day or two ago saying, how many friends do you have who you've known for more than 20 years? And I'm thinking to myself, it's almost like all of my friends because mm-hmm. I don't let people into the circle. Yeah. Uh, I've known for a long time, maybe not all 20 years, but a lot of them go back to like my neighborhood growing up in, in, in South City uh, and a lot are from high school. And that's kind of, that's, that's what it is. Um, and we see each other and we pick up right where we left off. I like it that way. So with that said, we were kind of getting into which we didn't. It was like one of the last holes. The first time we even talked about the show, which I also liked. And my buddy asked this question. He goes, yeah, friends ask about, you know, the show or if they know you or whatever. And I said, yeah, I don't think that it's necessarily healthy that I do this as I've been observing here over the last month or two. Yeah. I think something's wrong. Mm. Not, not like I didn't. I don't think I said anything all that provocative to to garner said reaction from you. But what uh-huh. I'm saying by that is, and I told this little anecdote, and I think I may have said it on here before, that when I was watching, I think it was Letterman interview, interviewing Howard Stern on Letterman's Netflix show. Is that something? I bet that's something you watch. Oh. That strikes me as a thing you would like. Yeah. We we like a lot of the same presentations. Yeah, I. Well, I've loved Letterman. Like I love Letterman. So any and for him to do like a long form show like that. Yeah. Is what he honestly should have been doing his whole career, but that's not how it was back then. So he's interviewing Howard Stern. Do you remember that interview? No. Okay. No. And one of the things and I don't know who made the observation, but they're both I don't want to say fucked up, although I think most people would say they're fucked up. Mm-hmm. But they're both different as how they interact socially which I would say I have. And, and one of them said, and I, I don't know which one, it's total coin flip as to which one said it, but then the other one totally agreed that isn't it interesting that the microphone is what allows us to function like normal people, mm. but then away from the microphone, we're totally yeah, abnormal. That's fascinating. But that's how I feel. Because when people meet me, they're like, oh, he's either really arrogant or he's an asshole because I'm not what they hear on the radio or on the podcast. Sure, sure. And so because I'm behaving differently, they think, I think, I'm trying, I'm psychoanalyzing a straw man. Yeah. But I know that it goes on. Now, my my friend, who's my best man, and then my other friend who, you know, I mean, both of us, we all went to grade school together and have known each other forever. They know me, so they know the program. But I said, it's a weird deal because I think when people who listen meet me, they expect it to be like I'm on when in reality I'm not. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people like that. I think my dad's like that. Actually, my dad, everybody loves my dad, loves my dad, loves my father, which is a great thing. I mean, what else could you ask for as a son that everybody loves your father? I mean, everybody loves my dad. They respect him. They like him, what he did in his career, what he still is doing. He still sells as a hobby. Um, and, uh, even though he's, you know, basically retired, and, uh, and then just love his personality. But then when he would be at home, I'd be like, well, he's just like, he, I, he's just relaxing. Cause now he's off. Yeah. So that's what I saw. Mm-hmm. Now he was great. Absolutely great father. Me and my siblings, you know, think the world of him. It's not that we don't, it's just the personality that I would then, then see when he was on was different than what we would see at home. And so now my wife knows it. 
and uh, a month from today, we'll be celebrating our 10th wedding anniversary. Um, and so she has, uh, she is, I don't know if she has loved it for 10 years of wedded bliss, but she has, uh, she understands it. Yeah. She gets it. And, uh, and so as I'm, as I'm, I'm having that conversation, I'm like that, that kind of hit to it. Cause he's like, I just don't know how you can talk that long. And I'm like, God, if they needed me to talk for 12 hours, I could, because what is going to happen at 1140, now 1016, we still haven't touched a question. So right now you're you're under three and a half and under five and a half are, are very good. Mm -hmm. If these were live betting odds, <laughs> they'd be moving yeah. as we speak. Uh, that, that, I, that I could, and I guess on the surface, you would think that's really weird, but it's so easy. But I don't think it's easy because it's a talent. I think it's easy because something is fucked up with me. That's what I think. Now, let me ask you this. Yeah. Because I think you are a normal bell curve <laughs> human being. Sure. I do. Now, I might be wrong on that. It and, may, and maybe if you start getting more hosting time, <laughs> maybe all of a sudden your nor normalcy will be ruined by like the psychoanal, uh, you know, psych psychological warfare I've been dealing with over yeah. the last X amount of years. I think a lot of this might be some PTSD of some form. <laughs> but um, do you think... If I were sitting there and essentially kind of running the board and, yeah. and co-hosting with you, that you could sit here and talk for ninety minutes. Not unprompted, but if there was like questions, I think I could I could fill ninety minutes. See, I think you kinda could. Uh, I could fill ninety But minutes. I think you're normal. You know what I mean? To an extent. I love to talk too. Some you know, sometimes I I blab I blabber all the time. Yeah, but I mean, there's blabbering and then there's blabbering, but people being interested in listening. Oh yeah, I don't think people would be interested. I, in I know, I know. You don't want to say that because that's a thing. Uh huh. Because then it can come off the wrong way. Uh huh. Now I, I guess I can say it, even though it could come off the wrong way. But at this point, it's kind of like, all right, it's well, been a couple decades, so yeah. we, 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 you know, even if you hate it, such. you like it. But yeah. you know, you filled in running point for me. You might have to do it here in a few weeks when I'm out of town. Mm -hmm. Uh, has that been discussed by the way? Who's going to be? No. Okay. We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, it's going to be something that I think you could do, mm -hmm. but here's the other thing. I don't think I could do it when I was 23, mm. but I remember, and I was telling my buddies this and my, my dad, I guess has heard the stories since it's gone on now for a few years, more than a few years that I remember a few people, one of whom was Joe Buck, for example, but then other people, radio executives, were kind of like, ah, you need to do a show by yourself. And I'd go, I disagree with that. Not because uh, I'm a hero and want to make sure that everybody's taken care of, although that is a part of it. The other part of it was that I'm just like, I'm a ringmaster, and guys like Rush Limbaugh, Jim Rome, and this has nothing to do with political commentary, but Rush Limbaugh could sit in a room and talk and captivate people. Not everybody. I realize plenty of you are hearing this and going, fuck you for even saying that. But I, you, even if you hated the man, you have to recognize he captivated a huge amount of people and mobilized them. Yeah. Uh, Jim Rome does something very similar. Stern is a ringmaster, but when he needs to, he's one-on-one, -on -one, but he has Robin to kind of play off of, but he's obviously a brilliant interviewer. A totally different show now than what it was in the 90s, but nonetheless. So my point is this. Here is where I'm going with it. Is there someone who does a show who talks for, let's say, 90 minutes, as I, I gather that I am going to today? It's not like I'm going, boy, I don't know if we're going to get 90 minutes. It's like, <laughs> God, how am I going to cut it off at 1140? Because inevitably yeah. I'm going to be in the middle of something. And I'm going to wait until 1150 and run late for my appointment. Uh, 
who you listen to and think is quote unquote normal. Now I'm not trying to put you on the spot because one of the rules of hosting mm-hmm. is similar to being an attorney. You don't ask a question on the air that you don't know the answer to, or you don't know that your co-host or producer knows the answer to, because then it makes people look bad. Mm-hmm. So I'm asking more of like the proverbial homework assignment, giving yeah. the audience. And I don't know who would come to mind for people. Maybe Dan Patrick. Yeah. That, that's one that would strike me uh-huh. is that way. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I, my point is in order to do this, maybe you do need to be a little fucked up. Now, Jimmy Fallon, albeit he's doing something different than Letterman, seems normal to me to seem super talented yeah. not my kind of thing per se not to say i don't like him i just don't really find it all that amusing uh-huh. i feel like it's like i don't know what the right word for it is because any word i'm about to use sounds critical it's just not my thing it doesn't seem it doesn't seem sincere i yeah. guess is the it's way super like youtube clippy yes that's how i describe it, it that's a great way to describe it like what's the easiest way to put this on youtube right i'm thinking if we're like just because this is you brought up fallon I always thought, and maybe I think that's why he was successful, especially later in his career, that Conan was always kind of seemed to me like a somewhat normal guy. I think it huh. be- becomes because he was used to be a writer. So I just, I something about that seems kind of blue it. collar. I could see him also having a lot of PTSD because he went through a lot of shit with that Leno thing. For sure. Night show, and for now sure. I think he's... Yeah, jaded for sure. I, I don't know if he, I, don't, I actually think he might have gone through it and has come out a better, happier person yeah. because now he's just doing a podcast and he has a podcast network that I think is, yeah. is, is really growing. Yeah. Um, but it's not necessarily my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so to say that I know what style he is would be unfair because I don't really listen all that much or w- didn't really watch yeah. all that much. So I don't know. I mean, I know Carson had his things. I mean, yeah. we're going back here. I mean, I'm barely, I mean, Carson retired in like 91, 92. So, you know, before our time, um, I don't know. Kimmel seems like a well-adjusted guy. For sure. He's just been doing it for so long. Right. It'd be tough to think that like, like he's been out in LA doing that show for so long. But so. if you're talking about a radio, like Mark Marin, one, one of the first mm, podcasters mm-hmm. yeah. to really corner the market well before it was in vogue and, you know, damn near everybody with a podcast, he'll be the first one to say he's fucked up. Oh, no, and I mean, take your pick of whatever way. Uh-huh. So... I don't know. It's yeah, it's tough because like you're just t- essentially taking reads. You know, you really we don't really know any of these. People. Well, I mean, some people I think are like I'm open with my fuck upness. Sure. You know. Yeah. And some might say, well, that's healthy. You're aware of the things that are fucked up. And Stern certainly is open with his fuck upness. Letterman isn't necessarily open per se, but where would he have been? He wouldn't have been on his show. No. Maybe is now a little bit with with the thing on Netflix. Yeah. I, I, Rogan certainly has become, uh, I'm, 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 it, it, you say Rogan and now I feel like it's almost like you're saying not to the level, but you're saying Trump or you're saying Biden, which is sure. not the intent. Yeah. But my premise being he has become for 2021 or even going back to take your pick of whatever year you'd want to start it, a podcast force. I don't know if, I don't know if people said people might not agree with him or they might really, really agree with him, but I don't know if they would look at him and say he's, fucked up. I don't know. My point is this, to sit in a room and talk to either you, just one person, but it's me like talking 90% of the time, or to just sit in a room like Rush Limbaugh did Mm -hmm. and talk. I don't know if it's a talent so much as it's a, I don't even know what the right word is for it. it. It can come off as a talent but it's actually some kind of mental flaw. (laughs) (laughs) 
that, I hear that, you, that. you know what I mean? Yeah, but I just like I, it's actually an abnormality. Like if somebody can run really fast, something is abnormal with their fast twitch muscles. Yeah. But then it leads to them, you know, winning track gold medals or stealing 110 bases or, uh-huh. you know, running for a thousand yards in a college football, whatever the hell it is. I don't know. I think because because like like I'm watching the, the Titans and Bills last night. Sure. And there should I put a DraftKings lineup together with Derrick Henry as the captain? Because I'm like, I know everybody's going to be on Allen and uh, Diggs yep. in the captain spot. So I'll go, you got to go contrary, and yeah. I'll put Henry in there. And only Dang. 11% of the field had Henry on there, but I didn't That's have the rest of the roster. And, uh, and so they're showing his workouts. And I'm like, okay, he's talented, but that dude also kind of is going Jerry Rice, Walter Payton with his workouts. I mean, he is consumed. I feel like he doesn't get enough attention for how great he is. Yeah. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. And he could be on his way into Canton. You know, he just hasn't he's, been on great teams yet. Yeah, he's been he's been unbelievable. Yeah, for, for how great he is. Yeah. But anyway, the point being, there's talent and then there's work to get to uh-huh. a level. I don't work mm-hmm. very, I, I, don't, I don't apologize for not working. I just come in and I talk. Now, I guess I read and I listen and I consume for the purpose of talking, but then I'm like, okay, something's cl-. like, and so the fact that my dad was there and he will see me when I'm kind of in this introverted mode, not that I'm angry. I'm like, well, I'm better than all of you because I do a radio show. So therefore do not associate with me here at Christmas or Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. That's not, it's just not, I am not this guy at all when I am in that setting. Yeah. And uh, so I'm trying I'm some, try- so then, but then I'm like, okay, well maybe I'm in good company because I know that. Stern and Letterman from that exchange said, we're so fucked up, but isn't it weird that the microphones and our shows allow us to function like normal human beings? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fascinating point. Because this, what you're hearing, is not me the other shit, I don't know, 16 hours of the day. I got my three hours on TMA. And listen, it's not like I, I love, I mean, my God, I'm, I think I'm at an all-time peak happiness with my wife and my son. It's the greatest thing ever, for real. It's, it's fulfilling. Um, but I'm talking about like, if I were in a setting with, you know, I don't know, whatever it's, this isn't me Mm -hmm. now this, I think this is me, but for whatever reason, I'm not going to be like this in that setting. And I think part of it is I'm so conscious of it coming off as arrogant because some of the stories I have, because I, people love storytellers. My dad's a storyteller, but the stories my dad's talking about, he's not talking about like, you know, he's talking about like St. Louis ish things. Yeah. Nobody could top possibly mistake it for he's bragging. Mm-hmm. So I've got some amusing stories, but they sometimes involve people or situations that I'm so conscious of trying not to come off as, you know, like these are my buddies from my neighborhood. Yeah. And, and on top of it, they don't give a fuck what I do anyway, but but I don't want it to come off as like, yeah, you know, or even talk about like like uh, in front of us in the group yesterday in the, in the charity tournament was a guy coincidentally also from our neighborhood tournament was in St. Charles County. But here we are a bunch of South city motherfuckers playing in this thing. Yeah. And he goes, God, I just hope this doesn't come up on the show tomorrow. And I go, I mean, there's, I would never talk about like, you know, yeah. And he goes, I know, but I'm just saying, you know, you might say, and just, you know, and I go, no, I would never talk about it. But here's the reason I'm not going to talk about golf and playing in a charity event, this charity event and where it was and all of those things. Because it's because not because I don't want to talk about golf, because I know that for a portion of the audience, which Raby has directly started calling out, <laughs> saying I was playing golf is a lot different than saying I was playing softball. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. OK, so now mm-hmm. we I think we all know what I'm saying by that. Mm-hmm. And so because I'm so aware of that, 
I don't really ever talk about it unless like Iggy's, you know, and I'm facetiously going through the, okay, tell me what happened on number six, yeah. which sometimes angers the audience who can't pick up the joke. And uh, why are you talking about golf? You know, let's get back into Schilt's decisions. So that is a thing. So I'm conscious of not talking about things because I do not want to be accused of being arrogant or something like that. When in reality, there isn't any arrogance. There's just a lot of social awkwardness. <laughs> I, I, there is the I hypothesis. There's my master's them. thesis. Do with it what you want. Tell me somebody who is hosting a show, but is normal. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not talking about like a show with a bunch of guests. Cause that, I'm not saying anybody can do that, but that's not, that's not sitting there and just, they, they turn the mic on and you go. Yeah. Which to me, as I said, and I know you now know it cause you've been on the show for 10 months. If they said here at KFNS, Hey, you guys want to do a charity thing where you raise money and you stay on the air for 12 hours? I'd be like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And I, I wouldn't, and I don't even know if I would think twice about it. And if hell, if it would raise a bunch of money for something, it'd be awesome. I'd, I'd absolutely do it. Yeah. And I know we could do it. And I wouldn't think no twice problem. about it, but my buddy who's known me perhaps better than anybody forever is going, how do you do that? He goes, that just seems like it's going to be impossible. And I go, God, it's so fucking easy. Yeah. Yeah. But I never think of it as impossible. Yeah. I haven't thought of anything in broadcasting as not even impossible or difficult. Yeah. I, now that I've thought about it for a second. What do you got? You Scott, got something? Scott Van Pelt. Scott Bayo. Scott Van Pelt. Yeah. He's a normal, I feel like he's a normal, <laughs> Scott Bayo. Uh, I feel like he's a normal guy who hosts the show and is like a big, I mean, shit, he's a super celebrity. I actually would, now I think he's super talented. I uh -huh. think I appreciate what he has done, uh, not only for um, ESPN and sports casting with both his radio show, then his podcast, and now his television show. When he was off again last week. Now I'm starting to sound like the people who bitch about me being off, <laughs> which is coming here in the next few weeks, and yeah, it's going to oh, be a motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, but whatever, I, I, I don't know. I know I can't dis detach from it because you and I are the ones moderating the fan page. And when we say moderating, we mean by definition, we are the moderator. Zuckerberg <laughs> is the real moderator. Yeah, Zuckerberg actually is. Zuckerberg. <laughs> Raby had something pulled yesterday. Oh, wow. Out of nowhere. I was out at the tournament and I got a notification. I don't know if you saw it. I don't know if you see the same things I do. Community I standards is yeah, pulled. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck happened today? And I look at it and it was from Raby and I, and I texted him with a screenshot. I said, I don't know what the hell you posted, but it got pulled just so you know, Jackson, I don't pull shit. We don't no. care. We're not even looking at it. Anyway, what Van Pelt has done for bald guys on television, yeah. you know, it's past, it's, it's already passed me by, um, it, in part by my choice and in part by the game. But, uh, but then also his style of show is if I were to do television, that's the style of show I would do. I sure. love what he does. Yeah. He's fantastic. With that said, I think he's fucked up. And I think if he were on the show with us, I think he would tell you he's fucked up. Yeah. I think he's fucked up. I, but again, fucked And by fucked up, I mean, I mean, in a very benign, like I'm yeah. fucked up in a, I don't know. I don't even know. Benign way. I'm my fuck up is all a lot of it's in my own head. I'm in mm -hmm. my own head. Yeah, for sure. A lot of it's like, oh, they're thinking this. So I've got to do this. It's like I'm constantly playing poker, even just with random meetings with people like, OK, they think this. So then yeah. I got to make sure it's this. And then if I say this, then they'll think I'm arrogant. Or if I say this, I think I'll tell you another one. We've talked about Joe Buck's podcast, right? Yeah. Uh, have you listened to it? Mm -mm. I think you'd enjoy it. I probably should. Because yeah. I feel like we do really like the same kinds of yeah. content as, uh, as the buzzword. So when, when driving to this golf course yesterday, one of the rare times where I'm in my car for more than, you know, the three minute commute <laughs> to and from here or the five minute commute to and from my golf course or range, um, 
I'm like, oh, I gotta listen to something. Cause, you know, what the fuck am I gonna listen to? Yeah. So I gotta, I gotta prepare for the, you know, half hour trip. Like I'm driving to California, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Joe Buck and Oliver Hudson is co-host on the podcast with Adam Sandler, which apparently oh, yeah. they had done a while ago. Okay. And I'm like, this will be a good one. Yeah, for sure. Because Stern, he's doing like, well, like maybe three interviews a month, and like every month it's Jimmy Kimmel or George Takai, and I'm just like, God, he's so clearly yeah, he gets done. On so much. Couldn't care any less. Like, oh, you know, we're gonna talk about George blowing his husband. Like, who fucking cares? If he was married to a woman, I wouldn't want to hear about the cunnilingus. I just don't care. But that's yeah. the deal. It's like, who gives a shit? Whatever, fine. Uh, so I'm like, oh, Adam Sandler and Joe interacting. And I find Oliver amusing because he's such a direct opposite of Joe. It's a perfect dynamic. And they're all basically talking about how fucked up they are, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, God, I relate to that. I can't relate to anything else that they've experienced in their yeah. lives and careers, but I can relate to the fucked up thing. And they all think that they're fucked up, but I think it's healthy to talk about being fucked up. Yeah, for sure. But I'm, but isolating in on people who sit in a room and talk to an audience. Is there anybody who's like well-adjusted doing it? Oh yeah. That's a <laughs> and I don't, I, that's what I'm saying. I just don't know if it, it, you can be like, I've got, I've got a brother who I don't think really fits in with the other three in the family. And I think everybody who in the family, no, because he's so like chill and calm and well-adjusted and just what he's got, you know, uh, like, and I think he's a br brilliant what he does, but I don't think he could necessarily do a show because he's 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 got everything kind of yeah. you know he's like I said well adjusted, mm -hmm. and so I don't fucking know. So like I said, I view like how I've gotten with like my shot from a hundred yards out. Mm -hmm. That's a talent. Yeah, I view this as the byproduct of something in my brain working differently than the vast majority of the populations and not talent. That's what I'm saying. That is where we have arrived. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think you, you, you garner more ideas and more talking points as you go too. I think like, hence the Adderall session. Yeah. The more we talk about things, the, the deeper we and I go. love it. But yeah. the thing is, I love it on top of it. Yeah. That's not like, I'm like, it. Oh fuck Jackson, we got to do the podcast. Like, man, I want to do the podcast five days a week. And I could. I love it. Yeah. Playing golf, doing the podcast, lesbianism in the air. Yeah. Just in it, the it air. rarely arrives. Yeah, it just, rarely arrives. Just this, just this, yeah. Just, just, just the having aura. a feel. Oh, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> I think that at this moment, sometimes a, a wonderful treat. Uh-huh. That's it. There's my Mount Rushmore things I enjoy. There it is. Yeah. It's oh, and I, 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 the, the absolute, it's not even on Mount Rushmore. When I'm with my son is, yeah. that's, that truly is. And that's not a like, oh, I got to say it. That's the, it's the absolute greatest. It, I feel like it's like some kind of like field of dreams experience. It's the greatest thing in the world. That's awesome. But as far as taking that out of the equation, those, that's, there's my Mount Rushmore. So that's now, Mount I guess Rushmore. Those, I guess those Mount, that, the Mount Rushmore, all of that makes sense to everybody outside of, well, maybe people aren't as into the lesbianism I, as I am, hmm. I would imagine. And then uh, the podcasting thing. Yeah. But I love doing TMA, but for whatever reason, the pro but the podcasting is like, I, I, it's like, it's almost therapeutic for me. Yeah. There's just, because there's, I mean, we, and TMA, which is a show with extremely few limits. Which I love, and I think everybody on the show right now is as happy as we have been, and I don't know how long. Yeah. And I know you only have... 10 months of it, but, but I'm happy as a clan. Yeah. Too. But I think TMA, while it has like less limits than anything else in 
possibly radio in general, <laughs> we do have, I mean, it's only three hours and we have FCC guidelines to follow here. There's no time limit. There's no, it's literally just roll the ball out and, and let's see what happens. Yeah. And then and obviously it's, it's working. We see the numbers, but then I see all the emails and the stuff that comes in and people yeah. are engaged in it. And I love that. Yeah. But even if we didn't have that, I think I'd still yeah. like it. The engagement part's huge, too, because we get that, I mean, on TMA with the text oh, and emails. Oh, the texts are unbelievable. But when e people email in, it's almost just like people are engaged with this, and that's what and the goal is. And they get the joke. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And they the goal the is joke. to be engaged. So I love it. So um, with that said, uh, we have now done how many? 27 minutes. Haven't answered one question. The nope. live lines have moved now. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you got to feel great about five and a half. You got to feel like you're already cashing that ticket and you might think you might be thinking about what to do with those winnings. Yeah. I might parlay it into like an alternate spread, yeah. like, <laughs> like under one and a half. <laughs> I might parlay that, but unless there's some yes or no ones in there, I think my numbers. I wouldn't, I'm going to treat it fairly. I am not going to adjust. Okay. I mean, there is, I mean, we kind of, it's, 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 some of them are sports oriented. There's also, you know, I think there's an erotic story in here, but I'm trying to, I see, yes, one titled QFTA and it starts, ah, yes, anal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we've gotten so many, I haven't read through them all. I just kind of glance at them. Yeah. And then if it's like, you know, certain topics, I'm like, hey, I appreciate it, but I can't talk about it or whatever the case yeah, might yeah, be. Yeah. But if I'm like, so, so no, if, and when you email in for QFTA, title it QFTA in the subject line, number one. And then if I don't respond, know that it, my plan is anyway to answer it. Now, I still have in the QFTA file emails from March. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you know, it's throw another log on the fire. But sure. uh, I do it. My, my plan certainly is to answer. All right. I got to make sure I do that. Let's talk about the sponsors who make the whole thing possible. The HomeLoanExpert.com. His name is Ryan Kelly. We had him on the radio show. The man just got done doing another climb for the kids. Um, when it comes to somebody rec you want to talk about self-awareness, somebody recognizing they have had incredible success and, uh, not just going to hoard all of the money and the time the success has afforded him, uh, but is going to give back. And that's something when Ryan was in on the podcast, he talked about and, and the reasoning for it and how it all came to be. Uh, that's Ryan Kelly. And then you go, well, I mean, okay, what about his business? So, because that's nice that he's a nice guy and he gives back to the community. That's wonderful. But what about the business? Well, okay, well, I refinanced with him in April of 2020, and I've been pre-approved with him twice in 2021. Um, and it's the thing that stands out to me is, number one, how easy it is. Number two, how thorough it is. And number and number three, it's how 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 important it is. I mean, if you, if you're refinancing, you're saving a bunch of money. It really is. I think I say, cause Doug will always talk about like, yeah, somebody saved up to $350. I'm like, I think I saved 200 just like that. Uh, and you annualize that. Now you're 2,400 and what you can do with that, whether you put it back in the market, or you want to go get something, whatever the case might be, I mean, that matters. And otherwise you're just paying interest. Uh, and then on, on, and then getting pre-approved with the home market as it is, you really have to have a pre-approval or you have to just have the cash, take mm -hmm. your pick. So make sure you're working with Ryan Kelly. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. It's who I have worked with, so therefore I can speak to it first person. I can also speak to first person James Carlton. He's my insurance agent. And congratulations to James Carlton. He is celebrating his 10th anniversary, and he is doing so. Now, we are talking to you on October 19th, 2021. He is celebrating his 10th anniversary, October 23rd, 2021, for those of you in the St. Louis area, with a uh, party in downtown Webster, uh, Sean Cannon's voodoo players are playing. He's got food and craft beer at the corner of Gore and Moody at 34 North Gore. It's all presented by Llewellyn's. 
And he'd love to see you from 2 to 5 p.m. this Saturday, October 23rd. I know some of you will be listening to this, and it will already have come and gone. But nonetheless, uh, for those of you who will be listening to it in the next few days, uh, the weather is supposed to be wonderful this Saturday. At least it was last time I looked. I'm going to look at it right now, see what's doing. Yeah, nice. 66 high, 45 low, sunny. Money. Can't argue with that. Yeah, that's money. Yeah, we got some good weather this week, Jackson. Yeah. Um, Enjoy it while you can. I know. <laughs> uh, so uh, make sure you're hanging out with uh, James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Congratulations. It doesn't surprise me at all that he's been in business for 10 years just because the thing is so well done. I'm I'm so grateful that he started advertising on the podcast four years ago, but not just because of the advertising. I'm grateful that I met him because I'm so happy that I made the switch to James Carlton. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. Another person I'm very grateful for the introduction. Joe Roderick made this introduction, and that's Jamie Burkhardt and Clayton Patterson at Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. Uh, I've gotten my car there. I've gotten two cars there now. Uh, I know that uh, Doug has gotten his car service there. Iggy's gotten his ser- car service. Have you done anything there service-wise? You're, you're, you're driving that uh, 2022 uh, <laughs> Range Rover with yeah. the spinners, so you don't need a car. Getting no, served. Yeah, I, and that goes at Starbucks on Lindbergh. Oh, that's right. That's uh-huh. where I see that thing. And mm-hmm. I just see you leave the, the rim spinning when you go in to hang yeah. out for three hours. Like a top. I spin it before I walk in there. Do a Mount Rushmore of... Uh, fillers. But <laughs> if you are in the market to get your car service, you don't have to have gotten your car from Munganass. It can be anywhere. Work with them at stlouisaccurate.com or altontoyota.com. And if you're looking for a pre-owned car, it's Munganass, stlouisaccurate.com, altontoyota.com. They have more than 300 to choose from. Munganass, stlouisaccurate.com, altontoyota.com. All right, here we go. Literally an hour out from the end time after a half hour of nonsense. <laughs> We're getting to it. Uh, this one just came in. This one literally came in at 9.58 this morning. Hey, Tim, now that the St. Louis versus NFL lawsuit's getting more national coverage, I was wondering how the lawsuit is being received in the rest of the country. Certainly the NFL and its spin doctors are doing their best to paint St. Louis like a jilted ex-lover, and I wonder how much that will or will not resonate to non-St. Louisans. I am not a lawyer, so not sure of the ramifications if St. Louis is considered a third-party uh, beneficiary on a city's relationship with a private business, but shouldn't people in other cities be rooting for St. Louis so their city is not at risk of a sports league moving their team for greener pastures? To me, sports teams are unique businesses because of their engagement with their fan base and their role in the larger community. I'm wondering how much fans of other teams look past the superficial and consider how much their favorite team might be at risk in the future. It's not as if large cities are immune to franchises moving. The Dodgers and Giants left New York for California. Los Angeles lost and regained both the Rams and the Chargers. Uh, it just seems to me that as general sports fans, it would be better if leagues couldn't hold the cities and turn fan bases hostages just because of the unique place in the cultural landscape. That comes from Nat Caller Adam. Again, I'm enjoying the show. That is an outstanding observation. Now, I cannot speak to how people around the country are looking at the Rams and the St. Louis situation. My instincts tell me that most don't care. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know that. But that's my instinctual read. Um, however, I agree with the premise that it would benefit them to care. Um, because yeah. as he points out, and he's, he's exactly right. Uh, and, and by the way, the St. Louis Cardinals football team came from Chicago. Granted, you know, Chicago wasn't what it was then or what it is now then, but I mean, it still was a huge city and New York and LA have, have lost teams. Uh, the Raiders also moved to, and then from, uh, Los Angeles. So with all of that said, uh, I get it. I think it's a very valid point. Um, with that said, I don't think it's going to change because teams have been relocating for decades 
And the only thing that is going to make this one different than the others is if Goodell, Jones, Jerry, Crocky, Demoff, take your pick of whoever else who might say something titillating, actually have to testify. Then you're talking about a comparison to the USFL lawsuit, which would be worth uh, reading up on, by the way, um, because that's the last time the NFL had a situation, so to speak. Otherwise, they just either settle them or they fix them or they remedy them some other way. Uh, but with this one, um, I don't think people around the country really care, although I agree that it wouldn't it be nice if you just knew you could invest wholeheartedly emotionally in a team because you didn't have to. I've never really had the priv, you know, the privilege, Jackson, of being a fan of an NFL team in St. Louis with the exception of a handful of years. I mean, for real, less than a decade yeah. of worrying about them moving mm -hmm. because, you know, I, I think the first big red, as we called them, St. Louis football Cardinals memory I really have. Um, I went to a game, I guess Montana was quarterbacking for the 49ers, but I mean, I was so young uh, at Bush Stadium. Um, and then the Cardinals missed a, a field goal that would have gotten them into the playoffs in 84 against what were the Redskins at the time. And um, and they had a pretty good team. And the Redskins in the 1980s were really good. I mean, they, they went to two Super Bowls, won one, lost another. And, uh, and the Cardinals were in a position to beat them and go to the playoffs, and they missed a field goal and blew it, and it was just textbook Cardinals. But that whole time, I'm thinking, oh, they're going to move. And then, of course, the Rams. Now, you have the glory years, but, you know... God, I think it was 2007 on the radio. I don't know if somebody would be able to find this audio. Every We have everything back to 2010, right? Yeah, 2010 as well. And some that. of the stuff we have from 2004 through 2010. Yeah. But I said my reaction to the Rams losing, I think it was to the Carolina Panthers in the opener, and Orlando Pace got hurt. And that, and the team had high expectation, ex, expectations in 2007 was how few people were there how bad the atmosphere was, how problematic that Orlando Pace got hurt in the first game, and how that worried me for the stability of the franchise in St. Louis. That is nearly a decade before the vote. Yeah, shit. So uh, if that audio is there, I know I said it. I may have written about it on Inside STL because I used to write every day. So that is how, and I think it's because Dan Deardorff was quoted in the paper right around that time as saying how concerned he was that we're going to repeat a sin here. So people saw it. That's why when I when people, what do you mean St. Louis has blood on its hands? I said I think that I think there are some people in St. Louis who would rather this thing not go to trial because it's not going to make them look really good. Mm. Um, now listen, I, I, I think the NFL and Crocky and Demoff and Jones and Goodell would much rather than the people in St. Louis. But with that said, I think that there's uh, some issue with uh, what was going on here locally. So with that said, uh, I don't think people around the country really care. I think they will care if ESPN starts covering it. And if you see Roger Goodell, Jerry Jones and Stan Kroenke and Kevin Demoff and their words in the depositions and in the trial uh, on uh, ESPN and major news outlets, that's how they'll care. That's how they'll care. Yeah. Otherwise, it's perceived around the country as, oh, you're bitter the team left. Yeah, that's what right. it is. That's yeah. what it is. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, that's one. I think that was tended to. I'm not trying to cover the over. No, I got you. Uh, if I would have ordered the emails, uh, you know, I probably would go into deeper depth. Let's see what we got here. Tim, uh, my apologies in advance that this is not an erotic story. I just finished listening to Monday's segment on the radio show where the day has discussed the difference in, quote, approval rating between the Cardinals and Blues 
and wanted to share my thoughts. Okay, so I got to revisit that to set the stage for those who did not listen to that segment. Otherwise, people would be flying blind. I made this observation, Jackson. Mm-hmm. I would say the Blues, we, we did a poll of it a couple months ago, have like a 90% approval rating in St. Louis, yeah. give or take. Yeah. And the Cardinals at the time, now this is before the 17-game winning streak, had something like a 30% approval rating. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the premise. Uh, you mentioned taking a deeper dive into the psychology of why the Cardinals' approval rating seems to be so low compared to the Blues over the last five years. When both franchises had a great deal of success, I don't think I said that because I wouldn't call the Cardinals last five years a great deal of success. Um, I don't know who would call that. And I'm not ch- chastising the emailer, but I just want to, you know, when I see something that I don't think I said, I want to clarify. Uh, I mean, they went to the NLCS in 2019. Otherwise, you have 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021. I don't think anybody would consider that a great deal of success. Uh, I hope you'll take some time on the podcast to do so. But from where I sit... Uh, I agree with Jay and the fraud Chris Raby with regards to Mazalock and to some extent DeWitt. They both come across as aloof, disinterested, and somewhat quote-unquote above the St. Louis market. When Mo puts on his sweater vest and bow tie and drops arbitrage in casual conversation, never raising his voice or even providing much inflection, he comes across as arrogant. Contrast that with Tom Stillman, uh, Chris Zimmerman, and the Blues management. You can tell these guys care about fan satisfaction and are putting everything they have into their team and its success. Example, I was at a playoff game in San Jose in 2019 and Zimmerman walked up to my family on the concourse, shook our hands and thanked us for coming to the game and supporting the Blues. I know Stillman does the same on a regular basis. I can't imagine seeing DeWitt Mazalek taking such a simple step. Stillman and his leadership team give off the aura of being St. Louis guys, whereas Cardinal leadership just doesn't. It's not new. Keep in mind what Tony Larusa that Tony Larusa wasn't liked until he won a because he until he won a pennant because he wasn't seen as a quote St. Louis guy, but a West Coaster who lived in the Chase, flew home on off days, etc. Anyway, this is lengthy, but some of my thoughts. I would appreciate your deep dive and contrast between the two organizations. Thanks, two organizations. Thanks. That's from Nathan. All right, Jackson. I have done a lot of talking. I am going to yield to you and your response to that email. To me personally, like Mo and his the way he talks doesn't bother me in the slightest. I almost kind of like it because it's like I'm. This is how it's authentic. He doesn't like try to like because I feel like if Mo and Dewitt were doing the same thing that Stillman was doing, where he's out there shaking hands, it would almost come off as like disingenuous because they are like, but they do their jobs and they frankly do it really really well for the over the long term, maybe not the last few years, but nonetheless, they do their job really, really well. So it doesn't bother me at all that they don't, aren't necessarily out there shaking hands. Um, and I think that the, when, when the blues, when the Stillman does it, it's super genuine to who he is. And I think that's great. I, you know, I think that if they're doing their job well, I don't really care how they are perceived necessarily. Like at the end of the day, if you're doing well, which is, you know, getting people to the ballpark and winning baseball games, it doesn't bother me in the slightest if Mosellock wears a sweater vest, to be honest. And it doesn't affect my approval rating of them, but I also understand how it might affect some other people. That's my thoughts on it. I got a lot here, Jackson. All right. Which might help you in your under five and a half and under three and a half. Um, But I don't, it's going to, it's going to just be, it's just going to be word vomit. Okay. Um, So, I don't necessarily think 
And I, and I, by the way, I don't think this is necessarily what the emailer is saying. So this isn't going after the emailer per se, but I don't like the idea of using big words as being not St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Although it's not what he, the net person necessarily said. He said, uses arbitrage. Um, because I don't think that we should necessarily strive to be dumb. Not to say that's what he said or anybody else said, but I think especially successful baseball teams in 2021 and really for the last, I don't know, you go back to the Cardinals kind of being the ones who got it going in the 2000s, uh, being ahead of the curve on analytics is going to make them oftentimes math slash stat geniuses. And I don't know how often you've interacted with math slash stat geniuses or IT people, but they're not necessarily the people that you're going to have the most engaging conversation with. In other words, a little different kind of going back to the beginning of the podcast. Um, I also think this, the blues have to do what they do. Um, now this might sound weird to a hardcore blues fan, um, but as popular as the blues are, as high as their approval rating is, uh, I would imagine Tom Stillman would sit here with me and acknowledge that the blues are a distant second to the Cardinals in St. Louis. Um, I think, I think everybody, I don't everybody would agree with it, but I think people who are aware of the data, whether it be television ratings, whether it be uh, corporate sponsorship, um, attendance is not fair because it's not apples to apples with the size of the buildings, but that the, the Cardinals are, I mean, the Cardinals are a signature franchise in North American professional sports, a blue blood. Yeah. So that is, that is, for example, I remember I used to say, when I was working in television and people still who cover Missouri will occasionally say this, although I don't know if it's as much now, although I saw Gabe saying, I, I can't really speak to the status of the Missouri mindset because we see him for a half hour in practice and that's all we're allowed to see. And I'm at the football complex for a half hour on one day. So how I could have insight, I have an hour more than the rest of the public does to see. Um, but back in the day, when Lorenzo Romar and Brad Soderberg were the coaches of the Billikens, the Billikens would go out of their way to provide accessibility for Romar, Soderberg, their players. Missouri was, and to an extent still is, incredibly difficult to work with. Uh, it, I'm a Missouri guy. I wish it wasn't that way. You just know it. And I mean, my God, after 25 years of quote unquote fighting it, I don't even really worry about it anymore. It's not how we do our show. Like, oh, we need to get drink wits on when we do. Um, so I would, I would ask, why are the Billikens so friendly and accessible? And why does Missouri not even return our calls or emails? And like, well, the Billikens know they're up against the Cardinals at the time, the Rams and the Blues, and to an extent, Missouri and Illinois they got to do something to get you in the building. Yeah. So they would do like lunch with Soderberg, you know, and you'd go to like the pasta house and have lunch with Brad Soderberg, which was pretty cool by the way. Yeah. Uh, and maybe I think they did it with Lorenzo Romar too. Point being that they had to do things. And what do you do with the media? You give food and you, you know, do things to get people in the door. Well, that's what you do when you're chasing, you know, when you're not in a position of power. Um, I think that gets me to this. I think one of the biggest issues right now, well, they're, and they, they feed off of each other. There are two issues that feed off each other. You have a great deal of, I think, subconscious insecurity amongst St. Louisans regarding St. Louis. 
Uh, and now it should have existed consciously, not subconsciously, um, for in my mind, at least the last two decades. That's when I was observing things in part because I was traveling around the country as much as I was to other cities that had teams in the NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball. And I was like, wow, we are really far behind. And I would say that on the radio and I would get my ass lit up. Over the last X amount of years, six, seven, eight years, it has now become, I don't know if I would call it in vogue, but socially acceptable in St. Louis to talk about how St. Louis is struggling, mm -hmm. even though St. Louis has been struggling for a while. Now, some people focus on crime statistics as the source of the issue. And while it is absolutely, if we were playing family feud, something that would get a lot of votes if 100 people were surveyed, uh, it is by no means the sole, and I wouldn't even call it number one issue for St. Louis. It's not a positive, don't get me wrong, but it is, uh, it is not the only issue. So I think you have that for St. Louisans combined with the Cardinals, unlike the Blues, have not gone out and signed free agents that other organizations are clamoring for. Yeah. They've signed free agents, and they've traded for huge names in baseball. I mean, I don't know if anybody had a bigger move in the 2019-2020 offseason, or excuse me, 2020 and 2021 offseason, than the Cardinals and Arenado. And maybe there was one, an obvious one, but I mean, it certainly Arenado had to be near the top. Yep. And then a few years before that, you had Goldschmidt, and I think a year before that was Ozuna. And I realized, you know, the, the goal was Stan, but Stan didn't want to come here. And all that did was add to the conscious or subconscious insecurity uh, when, you know, it's like, yeah, we had a trade trade agreed, but he wouldn't come here. And why didn't he want to come here? It isn't necessarily a place I really want to live. Mm -hmm. um, but then spun it into, no, I only, you know, and then named the four teams that were in the ALCS and the NLCS. And, but I still think, you know, he didn't want to come here and he wanted to live in New York or LA and, you know, who's going to blame a guy. Uh, and I think so when the Cardinals are either getting rejected by or they're not going out to spend with take your pick of whatever organization, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, whomever, that I think there is a need from some in St. Louis who are Cardinal fans to have a validation of where we have chosen to or maybe just stuck living and want to see one of these names we see playing in whatever market that could live in New York, LA, San Diego, San Francisco, Chicago, Dallas, Miami, whatever, choose St. Louis and not somebody who is just a family guy, by the way, because that seemingly is who winds up here yeah, almost all of the time. For sure. And that issue has been going on as a clear contrast Versus what was going on, Jackson, before you were born, born in 98, mm -hmm. 1997, Mark McGuire is traded here. Uh -huh. And then Mark McGuire, when he doesn't have to, because he's about to be a free agent, decides to sign here. Gotcha. Uh, 2000, Jim Edmonds is traded here, free agent, after the year, and then falls in love with it, decides to sign here. Uh, Daryl Kyle, uh, Scott Rowland. Edgar Renteria, I know Edgar Renteria, you're kind of getting on the periphery here, but he's a great ball player. And yeah. had he, you know, spoken English or acknowledged that he could speak English, which he didn't do, but he did speak English. Uh, he scolded me one time for gambling. And I'm like, 
Edgar and Rita scolded me for gambling and Edgar and Rita spoke English. What the fuck just happened? Uh, but he got away. He was great. It was a brilliant strategy. Nobody ever asked him to do an interview. Yeah. So he, he wasn't going to let us on. But then yeah. the players go, oh, Edgar's hilarious. And I go, you don't speak Spanish. And, I go, and they go, I know. And what the fuck? He doesn't speak English. And they go, oh, well, that's what you think. Like, brilliant. Guy's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I remember LaRusso would call him El Capitan. I think he was like the captain. Um, who else? Who am I missing? Holiday. Yeah. Uh, Albert Pujols, kind of a different deal because he came up in the system and wasn't a star until, you know, arriving in St. Louis. Yeah. I feel like I'm missing others. Point being, from 97 through the Matt Holiday deal, the Cardinals were perhaps one of the most active teams in bringing in and keeping validation the glamorous names from around baseball. Didn't get more glamorous than Mark McGuire in the late 1990s. And then they had a great team and they all wanted to come here and be a part of it. Uh, and then you had Jason Hayward leave for less money to go and play in Chicago. And you had David Price, uh, which was a good thing for the Cardinals. And so was the Hayward thing. Choose to go to what the Red Sox, right? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, now he's with the Dodgers. I think, I don't know where he is. He's kind of bounced all over the place with the Rays. <laughs> this is going to be another Tuka Rask, Patrick Wah moment. <laughs> uh, and uh, he was a decade ago. <laughs> so, wow. by, so, so by definition, yeah. the statement is accurate. I'll take a consolation trophy. <laughs> I thought he was with the Rays is an accurate <laughs> statement. He was indeed yeah. with the Rays. Intentionally ambiguous. Yes, it was uh, brilliant. It's like Renneria, brilliant strategy. Mm -hmm. So because the Cardinals have not... When is the last, this is not fair, this is just talking about doing bad hosting, <laughs> but since it's on a podcast, yeah. I, I view it a little different than the radio show. Um, what's their last big free agent signing? I mean, I know the answer, but then the answer is going to get killed. At least I think I know the answer. Maybe I don't. I'm going to say, I'll just defer further because it's just me and you. I'm not, yeah, we're not typing anything in. Who it is. All right. Who do you think it is? Is it? No, I'm, I'm not going to get myself in that situation. Go no, ahead. No, go ahead. No, I think fire the ball. What does it matter? What does it fucking matter? <laughs> Mike Leake? Uh, that's not a bad play. The answer, yeah. in my opinion, is Dexter Fowler. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. December of 2016. Yeah. Now, for fans, they'll go, oh my God, he's fucking terrible. And I'll go, okay, I understand. Now, here's the other thing. The morning after he was signed, the approval rating on that signing was 90 plus percent. Absolutely. I will not, similar to the Jay Happ and John Lester, where let's just get to the end of the season <laughs> trades. Yeah. I will not allow history to revise things. Yeah. And people were ecstatic because Fowler hit the home run in the World Series to lead off game seven for the Cubs. And he was, as bad as it shows you how bad the free agent class was, he was the guy that offseason. Definitely. And I remember thinking to myself, and I remember getting some background on how he wound up here. He didn't want to come here. I think it was San Francisco and Toronto. And that's where he wanted to go um, because he didn't want to live here. Yeah. And had heard some negative things. And so he said, all right, I'll come if I get another year. And so then the Cardinals gave him five years, which has just expired. And I'm going, and I said it on the radio that the next morning, I said, I mean, I guess I'm, I said, He's just, I'm not that excited. He's not a great baseball player to give that kind of contract to. Mm -hmm. He is fine. But it was somewhat to me reminiscent of the Tino Martinez deal, which is going back pre your memory or, you know, if, it, if you do remember it, that's really something else. Cause that was 2000 after the 2001 world series and Martinez had a great world series. He had the home run off of BK Kim that kept the thing going for the Yankees and, 
you know, he's a New York Yankee. Yeah. And McGuire retired by fax. Fascinating. And uh, and the Cardinals brought in Tino Martinez. And I kind of felt like they overpaid for him, a guy who didn't really want to be here, because he had just had a great October. And, God, he never wanted to be here. He hated it here. Um, and I'm like, and, and I don't think Fowler, I don't think Fowler planned on hating it here. I think he hated it here because of the crap that he got, which was, a lot of it was bigoted. Um because of his comments about it was difficult for his wife's family to get in and out of the country because of the immigration ban, which was factual. Yep. It wasn't a take. No. You know, it wasn't like he tweeted out like, oh, well, let me tell you about this Trump. He was asked about it. He gave an answer and then he got hate. Uh, and then he didn't play well. So you had a bunch of things going on there. But that's the last big free agent signing, I believe. Um, and if somebody is going to point out one but that that was the last one where other teams were interested and the Cardinals. Yeah. Like one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is to me, one of the core issues with going back to the email, which I read 15 minutes ago is the core issue with the approval rating thing. There is a sense that I believe is inaccurate, but I am, I am in the minority on this. And this, by the way, isn't just like social media minority. There's some people close to the situation who disagree with me that the Cardinals are not willing to do whatever it takes to make sure they get free agents. It's not their model. That's not their comfort level. So I can sit here and talk about how Corey Seager would be a perfect fit as a left-handed bat and playing shortstop. And in their minds, they're going, that ain't happening, brother. You know, whether it be the Dodgers, whether it be the Yankees, whoever, they're going to get Corey Seager. The Cardinals aren't. The Cardinals will, like, try to piece something together. Yeah. Now, I've been operating throughout 2021 as saying I think the Cardinals are going to have an aggressive offseason. My reasoning for that is, A, money coming off the books, and the payroll is currently at 137 for the 2022 season. Uh, and B, it being the last year for Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright, and C, the belief that Bill DeWitt's love of tradition will dictate that that he send those guys out with an incredible roster. Yeah. That is my belief. Now, if that does not happen, and you won't have to worry about me having to eat my words. I will be eating my words. I'm happy to say I'm wrong. Um, I'm happy to bet with people when I think I'm right. Uh, and then oftentimes people run away. Um, but you know, Hey, that's where I am. So I will conduct wagers. Of course, it's difficult to, to, you know, say what would constitute a significant move and what is just an average move. But, uh, for the purpose of the discussion, that is my expectation. If, and when they were to do that, for example, Jackson, whether it's Ali Marmol, Stubby Clapp, or maybe it's Skip Schumacher. I have no idea what the hell they're going to do with this manager spot. I think it's going to be Marmol or Clapp. Yeah. But with that said, I could be wrong on that. It's not like anybody has told me anything. That's reading tea leaves. Um, and they, of course, John Mazalek still president of baseball operations, and they sign Corey Seager to a long-term deal as their long-term shortstop, which means they have a lot of money allocated in the infield. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine the approval rating goes up substantially because it's my belief that the fan base which is, I think is incorrect, but I'm not sitting here saying it from a place of certainty, uh, does not believe the organization appreciates the loyalty of the fan base and they would like to see it reciprocated with the organization going out and spending money. I also think something that is new this year is 
fans feel like, even though it may not be the Cardinals' fault, uh, that their loyalty is taken for granted because they can't even watch the games. Mm, yeah. Now, that's... some can, but a healthy percentage couldn't without mm-hmm. some workaround or yeah. having to change television providers and blame the Cardinals, even though that isn't necessarily yeah. a Cardinals thing. Yeah. Um, so once again, feel like their loyalty is being taken for granted that now you, in 2021 you can't even watch games. So I think that contributes to it. Meanwhile, Tom Stillman gets emotional talking about wins, talking about the Stanley Cup. Uh, that resonates for fans because fans get emotional when they talk about wins in the Stanley Cup. Uh, Bill DeWitt talks about things in a very factual analytical business Business. minded much more manner. Mm -hmm. I don't mind that. Um, I think oftentimes I, when I see social media going one way, it is my nature to distrust it Mm -hmm. and automatically take the other side, which I think is a flaw of mine because sometimes social media media may be right. Just conducting themselves like assholes and hypocrites, but nonetheless, the opinion may be right. Uh, and so I feel some sympathy, actually, not toward Bill DeWitt and his state in life. He's had a good, 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 great, great, great life, both of wealth and his legacy in St. Louis is going to be, there will be things named after him here. Certainly. Um, but I feel like he has unfairly, in a portion of the fan base, gotten labeled as miserly, out of touch, uh, subservient to somebody who's actually an underling in John Mazalak. Uh, and, um, I don't think those things are accurate. Then you have John Mazalak. And I think even if the Cardinals didn't do anything as far as an acquisition, if they were to terminate John Mazalak, I think that 30% approval rating would immediately go above 50%, which is something I talked about on the show yesterday, which I believe was the source of this gentleman's email, but he attributed it to Jay and Raby. But I know I said I, it doesn't matter where it came from, but I, I know I said that, that 30% approval rating, I think it goes up so substantially if they were to fire John Mazalek. By the way, I'm not saying to fire John Mazalek. I'm just saying that I think as a person goes, he is the one now who is the source of the consternation. Yep. In 2018, in 2017, in 2016, it was Mike Matheny. Mm-hmm. It was not Mazalek. Yeah. It was all Matheny. And then he was terminated in 2018. And he knew going into the year that he had a very good chance of getting terminated. Um, and I remember having a correspondence with somebody who everybody listening to this podcast would know. And this was before the season started. He goes, what in the world is all the people? Why are people upset with uh, Matheny when the roster he has is kind of dog shit? And I don't care who you are. You're not going to win with it. Yeah. And this was before the season started. So, and that's this is a baseball person, by the way. This isn't just like, you know, a like, you know. Lisa Ann or Caden Cross and, you know, yeah. porn stars I text with, you know, this is, these are people who are involved in the game going, what in the world? Why, you know, and it's not like this person's like a big Matheny fan just going, look at the roster. How's he, he's not going to win. He's going to lose his job. For sure. So that also shows how things have evolved, devolved, take your pick, that I think a lot of this is about John Mazalek, which then gets us into what you addressed and what this person in the email addressed, which is how he conducts himself. I think, even though it's not like, I think John Mazalak, for every one interview Doug Armstrong does, I feel like Mazalak does five. Yeah, he's very available. But he talks in a way that even if he doesn't think he's the smartest guy in the room, 
that it comes off as that way for some people. Now, when I'm interacting with him, even if we're not recording and I'm just sitting in his office in Jupiter, which by the way, isn't like something that happens 10 times a spring. It happens once, maybe twice a spring. It's the same kind of thing. I think I've told, you know, recently, maybe I told the story or not. It's his sense of humor. And I don't know, I don't know if he, I'm going to try to help convey what I think goes on here because I do think it's such a huge part of it. And I'm, and I tip my cap to the emailer for, cause initially I'm like, Oh God, is this like guy mad that he doesn't drink beer and you know, and he isn't Whitey Herzog, which is what Larusa was dealing with. But he acknowledges that Larusa did deal with that. Yeah. Now Larusa, you would think is a saint in St. Louis, oh, but yeah. Jackson, I'm telling you, it took until 2004. I think, I don't think it was until 2000. I don't think it was 2006. I think when they won the pennant, in 2004, because the Cardinals hadn't been to the World Series in 17 years, uh, that he earned his wings, so to speak, and then he won the World Series in 2006, and he, you know, it, he was, he was, then he was a made man, and then yeah. he won it again in 2011, and he went out on top, and now yeah. it's like he can do no wrong. But yeah, that was absolutely. not the way it was a decade earlier. It was yeah. not at all. If anything, he had a very low approval rating. But Mazalek, for example, playing, uh, I'm trying to talk about playing golf which is perfect to try to talk about somebody being relatable. <laughs> um, but playing at the place I would play in when we were in Jupiter and I didn't know. And if anything, I was probably, I think I was out there with my wife and my son and it was late in the afternoon and it's like a Tuesday or something. And I'm like, you know, just waiting because there's, there's a group in front of us and I'm a single player and you know i don't have any rights on the golf course and whatever one on the 18th hole par five wonderful par five i hope someday you get to play because that means you got down there and i got down there again yeah and uh and i'm waiting and as you know my god have you ever seen anybody hit a golf ball further than me not not in person not in person even though you hit the golf ball further than me <laughs> sometimes and uh and so i'm waiting in a par five because there's a chance i can get on in two and then I do get up there just to the right of the green where these guys who i didn't know are now getting in their carts and I see Mike Maddox, pitching coach. Yep. Um, I see one of the clubhouse guys, and I see Mazalok. And I'm saying hello, and the way he handled it is, no, oh, looks like we're in the wrong part of town. <laughs> now, if you know him, you know exactly what's going on. I mean, I'm with my wife, yeah. and he's saying that to me, yeah. but I know what he's doing because that is his sense of humor. Yeah. And then, then once he delivers his shot to me, he then comes up to Anna Marie and says hello and exchanges pleasantries and so on. But that's his sense of humor. Yeah. I think if he were more public with how, but I, if anything, I respect it. And I don't think it's my place to kind of talk about it because it's, it's, it, it's, it's private stuff, but some people are really public with it. Um, especially in St. It's like, God, I'm doing awful things right here. Uh, he's a really religious guy. But I respect it because oftentimes the people really outward about their religion, Kurt Warner would be an exception, by the way, are some of the fraudiest frauds going. Um, but they feel like their religion is the get out of jail card to act like a complete scumbag. Yeah. Uh, Mazalok, you know, I mean, it is it is a part of his daily ritual. I am obviously not that way. Uh, I do not share that view. But he is a... It's, it's, and, and, and I'm not saying this to like, Hey, give him a break because he's religious. I'm, I'm trying to, but nobody I think would know it. And he yeah. does and he doesn't share it. I just no. happen to know it because a friend of mine also goes to the same church. He's like, Hey, he's here every day at seven o'clock. That's his thing. I also think 
So don't take it as like, well, you're the podcast, him saying, give him a like a break because he's, you know, going to church. I mean, God, if anybody's saying it to get, you know, I mean, I, for me, I couldn't care less. But I know for a lot of people in St. Louis, they would love that. Mm-hmm. I don't care at all. I'm just telling you who he represents himself as he is, is not who I necessarily think the public thinks he is. And I think some of it is because I think, which I think is a good thing, he intentionally tunes out all of the noise. Yeah. Which is so important. I think a lot of times coaches, athletic directors, front office people say they do. But are secretly but they Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like one of Martin's signature bits in Ask Tony was, yeah, I mean, I heard you guys uh, talking, you know, Patini had borrowed my car and he uh, <laughs> he flipped the station on, yeah. you know, which was which was Martin's way of calling Tony on listening to the station because he wanted to hear what people were saying. Yeah. And he would say that stuff. Or if I said something on the radio and then I would come down there in my TV job in my little suit and tie, and I mean little, <laughs> uh, later in the day, he would look at me and I could tell he was pissed about what I said or jockety would come after me often. We had a really intriguing relationship. That'd be a good guess for the podcast. I don't know if he'd come on or not. Um, like maybe bygones or bygones, but I drove him up the wall. Um, I actually think Mazalak tunes it out. And I think it's a great thing. Just for your mental health alone. Right. But here's the thing. What's one of the criticisms of the Cardinals? They're tone deaf. Yeah. Well, they are because, <laughs> but, but it's they, not but because they, they don't. It's, it's not because they don't understand. It's because they don't yeah. know what's going on. Yeah. and they're going. One of the things that drove people up the wall when he was on the radio show. I don't know when it was at the picnic table four years ago or something. And I was talking about the criticism of the team and the organization. And I think the cat and Doug were sitting there as well, and whoever was producing at the time, Seymour or Pete. And and he said something along the lines of, "Are you not entertained, Gladiator?" Uh, and I assume good. Oh, yeah. Okay. Walking uh, <laughs> Phoenix is fantastic in that movie. <laughs> and that actress never really did anything else. Yeah, I'm trying to think who she was. She's like uh, Scandinavian, I yeah. believe. That was like, two. that was 2000, I think. Yeah, that 2000. Was like, that was like the, if you were like a big Hollywood, like those kind of movies Absolutely. were huge. Absolutely. Like that was like, exactly right, like, a, like an experience to go see something like that with those, that caliber of actors in there. See, this is what happens on the podcast. Now we're talking about Gladiator. And, and 18 seconds ago, I was talking about John Mazalock. And like opining deep at that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to get back on track. Yeah, the Adderall is just phenomenal today. <laughs> we got a great shipment in. 50 milligrams. Oh, it's unbelievable what they cut this with. Uh, that Mazalock, when he said that, I think he was doing it in a way to be joking. Yeah. But also make his point. But because a lot of the fan base is so pissed, they got more pissed off when he said it because mm. his humor is so dry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, like, I mean, one of our signature drops on the show is just listening and learning. Yeah. Or uh, back it up a little bit. Yeah. Don't really care. Is Tim even here? You yeah. know, I mean, those are. I find those things hilarious. Right. But now I know you don't know him, but no. we know him. And so, so I'm getting to now. Listen, with that said. I'm on the podcast, I'm on the radio, and I will be critical. Mm-hmm. And I can understand how he might be like, you know, dude, I give you time, you know, in interviews. And we kind of have a rapport. It's not by any means. I don't think he thinks we have a, like a relationship or friendship. I, I, you know, I don't think that he would think that. But I have to separate the two from compartmentalizing of, of criticism of professional work, yeah. which is an obligation. 
uh, when it comes to teams to, you know, liking somebody personally. But if he were to ask me, which he would never do, you know, why there seems to be this disconnect between the fan base and the front office, I would, I would talk about this stuff right here because I don't think it necessarily has anything to do with baseball. I mean, you know, I saw a stat when the, God, I don't know who it was. I guess when the Red Sox won their series and who the hell did they even play? The Rays? Yeah. I'm so detached from the baseball playoffs. Me too. I mean, yeah. the Cardinals two weeks ago, not even two weeks ago, 13 yeah. days ago played in the playoffs by definition. And I, it's like, I, haven't watched the I just sense. couldn't care any less. No. And it used to be something I could, I mean, I just, I really locked in on, but yeah. whatever. Point being, the Red Sox are going to their seventh AL, their seventh ALCS. No other team has gone since 2003. Jeez. No other team has done that. Yeah. And I'm like, and part it was MLB stats. And I'm like, I'm not going to be stat correct guy on Twitter. You know, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm really at this point, straight Jemmy Bordelon gif. Yeah. But uh, I'm like, I'm pretty sure. And I started counting 2004, 2005, 2006, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2019. That's eight. The Cardinals have gone to more, but they said ALCS. So yeah. maybe that's the thing. That, that's their yeah. saving grace. Well, they've been to eight Eight LCSs since 2004. Yeah, it's so unreal. Now, and he's been a part of it, as, as is Bill DeWitt. Mm-hmm. Now, I know he wasn't, you know, the GM yeah. for all of them, but he was for five of them. Yep. And Bill DeWitt has been the owner for all of them. And mm-hmm. so it's like, and, and on top of it, by definition, now I really don't like this. It's like with the Pinkle and the Bulls thing. By definition, they have been in the playoffs the last three years. I, they get 2019 all day, even though I thought that team was an above-average baseball team that became one of the final four and uh-huh. were 100% exposed uh, when the time came yeah. to face a great team yeah. in the Washington Nationals. Definitely. Albeit the Nationals were in the play-in game. Um, and 2020 is whatever. And then 2021, they were just middling at best, maybe yeah. not even going to finish 500, and they wound up winning 19 games because of the winning streak. But it all happened. Yep. Just like they fell apart in 16, 17, and 18 when they were in the mix. Mm-hmm. So both things have to exist. You can't spin the facts. These things all happen. And at the very least, they were in the mix to go to the playoffs in all of those years. And every year, really, with the exception of even 2007, when they had a losing record, they were in the mix. Yeah. What the fans' frustration is, is which I don't necessarily think is exactly what they're doing down there, but at the same time, I don't really know what they're doing down there. Not to say, I think, God, I can't figure it out. I don't know. That's the truth. The fans complain is they're happy just getting to 90 wins, but they're not trying to win a World Series. That's a thing. That's a narrative. Whether or not it's true or not, I don't know. And you can say, well, he said this here, but some of these quotes are dated. It's like the low-hanging fruit thing that still is attached to him. He said like 12 years ago, whatever. So with that said, what I think he, because John Mazzella can go anywhere. What would help heal it is an aggressive free agent signing, not a trade, because the trades have been there. Yeah. There have been big trades. It's an aggressive free agent signing, because then it blows up the narrative that they're not willing to spend money. Yeah. This offseason is huge. It's huge with the CBA, but it's huge with the Cardinals. And it is the last year for Yadi or Molina is probably the last year from Adam Wainwright. Um, even though I am a little confused as to why the Yadier Molina has the the, the worship element uh, in St. Louis that he does, um, 
I, I certainly wouldn't dispute what he has done. And I absolutely do think he's a hall of famer. So I'm in, I'm a, I'm in a weird spot here. I don't know how many people are in my party where I'm like, yeah, boy, this is this Yadier Molina worship factor. When he comes to the hit, I'm like, I don't really want him up there most of the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know he had a big home run and against, you know, the, the Mets in 2006 and he had a big hit in the 2019 NLDS and, yeah, but I mean, you know, I'm more about he's a fiery competitor who yep. I think guides pitchers with his uh, psychological ability to get them in the right place for whatever their personalities are and call a baseball game. And defensively, that's where I am on him. But, you know, I, it's kind of like Ozzy in, in a sense and that, uh, you know, for most of his career, I mean, you loved his defense and you loved his speed. There's a difference there. Uh, but he wasn't necessarily somebody you wanted up. No. You know, 1985 and Go Crazy Folks was an outlier. Yeah. Uh, that's what made it so significant was how much of an outlier it was. You'd never homered from the left side of the plate. So with that all said, they are going to, I believe, treat 2022. I hope they don't call it the last dance. I hope we don't have a bunch of teams. You uh, know what I mean by this? Oh, it's brutal. Oh, it bothers you. This is good. Once the, again, well, we're on the same page. Devonta Adams and Aaron yeah. Rodgers. Like, You've won one Super Bowl. And Devontae Adams, Adams wasn't even part of the team. No, it was so long ago. Yeah. And I mean, comparing that to Michael I Jordan. Mean, what are we doing here? Yeah, we got Like when Salvador Perez shuts it down for the Royals, are we going to call it a last dance because they yeah. won one? I mean, the overused terms are now last dance and goat. Every, not everybody's a goat. Yeah, a, a goat or a queen. <laughs> Why? Because you got new lip injections? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Last uh, dance. Uh, oh, this is, this, this is it for Connor Basilak. It's the last dance. <laughs> yeah. Stop it. Please. Yeah. There was, the, those motherfuckers can have a last dance with the Bulls in the 90s. For sure. The Cowboys in the 90s. Yeah. They might not have known it was the last dance because they were all hopped up on shit, but they could have had a last dance. Yeah. Brady and the and the Patriots. Yes. Uh, the last the Braves, even though they only won one World Series. Last dance all day long. You know, Shashevsky's last year. Not yes. that he would do it. It would be the most anti-private school thing to do. Uh-huh. But last dance, I'm with you. But we cannot call, as great as it's been, and it's been better, I believe, than Rodgers and the Packers. Yeah. Molina and Wainwright. That. For sure. But I hope, and now some of them might be like, oh, this guy gets so tilted about the dumbest shit, our red hat's <laughs> on the road. Let's call it last dance. Just, a, <laughs> just like Mizzou announces their uniforms right at the end of our show on it's Friday. so perfect. <laughs> yeah, Doug goes, uh... Not to say that they really do that, by the way, but it would be great if they did. <laughs> like, it's the last dance of, of the Wainwright-Molina thing. I hope to God they don't say that or market it that way. That I believe Bill DeWitt, not John Mazalak, not whoever the manager is, not whoever's in the analytics department, is going to make 2022 special, at least position it to be. If I am wrong, I will be sitting here eating this forever mm-hmm. uh, because I know, unlike like the card, like nobody thought the Cardinals were going to go on the run they did. So it's not like I'm on an island on that one. Um, the 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 Cardinals being aggressive this offseason, there are plenty of people who don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they will then say, "Hey, asshole, you were wrong on this." <laughs> I just can't, I just can't see it because there's so obvious holes and there's so obvious solutions. Yeah. So. Wrapping it up after 35 minutes since the question's been asked, and Jackson's under is looking so good. So wild. I mean, you just were, I said five and a half, and you oh. just went, I mean, you unloaded the bankroll. Yeah. Uh, that uh, I I think that will help it. I think if, I, another thing I think would help is if they went outside the organization for the manager. I think if they got Skip Schumacher, that would be the one that would be met with the most approval. 
Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. You're in agreement of, on that. Well, of the three, Marmol, Stubby Clap, Schumacher. Yes. Yeah, Schumacher would have the highest approval. I, there's talk about Matt Holiday. I like Matt Holiday. Matt Holiday's a TMA guy. Yeah, for sure. In, 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 a, in a kind of a heel face, you don't know what he is way, kind of like The Rock in the late 90s. Like, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? We love Holiday, but he would like shit on the show. <laughs> yeah. And whereas Wainwright would do it, but you know he's such like a nice human being, you know he kind of is doing it, but is just, you know, yeah. it's like when Bill Hader showed up at a roast. He, like, really couldn't roast, you know, so he played a character. Yeah. But when Lance Lynn and Matt Holiday were standing behind Wainwright, if somebody would have made a move, somebody was going down. <laughs> I mean, and then the plowboy did when his frail left arm extended asking asking one of the, I think it was Holiday, to autograph a ball for Iggy. It was the worst fucking idea ever uh even though Iggy did get it approved and i know why he was doing it was doing it for the megan meyer foundation so in that sense it was beautiful but for us to ask these guys to do interviews which they don't want to do at our picnic table which they hate and then ask for an autograph i mean it's like the trifecta of bad yeah. ideas yeah. and then after that particular interview where even wainwright was like what in the hell are you guys doing <laughs> and then you pair it with matt holiday and lance lynn and then holiday slaps the ball down out of the plowboy, plowboy's hand oh, and it God. rolls in a lonely sad way toward the picnic table there's uh, there's so much i would do especially for iggy because he's so awesome but i would never oh. ever ask holiday for that ball that one signed. and it was not it was not a coincidence that it was not now i think the cat was aware because the cat would have been the conduit to the team yeah um but if you would ask me i'd be like dude there's no fucking way you know, no shot. You uh, have to buy a plane ticket. I mean, yourself. you just, you just, just understood. You do not ask for autographs or memorabilia. No shot. I so done. anyway, how I find him amusing. I just don't, I, I don't see it. I, 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 it's not to say I don't see it down the road. I just don't see it now. He's coaching with his brother at Oklahoma and, state. Yeah. Stillwater. He moved yeah. from Jupiter to, yeah. to do it. But I feel like that's more like a passion kind of thing. Right. Than, and than his a, kid. And another thing, his kid is like, I think right on the, and by the way, I think I'm older than Holiday and he's got a kid who I think is in college. I don't know. I mean, I realize, listen, I started late, but others are starting early. And I see that. I go, what in the world? Yeah. But I mean, hey, I know I, I got friends who are kids in college, which really mathematically isn't that weird. That means you had a kid at 27. That's not that, you know, no. rural. Um, so I just don't see the Holiday thing. I would be interested in Schumacher. Schumacher Jackson, somebody we had on the radio show. And I remember getting done with the interview and we were at KFNS and Webster at the time and we got done. I go, what the fuck? I go, that guy. Yeah. I go, I, I never think like when people are saying Wainwright's going to be a great broadcaster. I'm like, he's made, I don't know how much money, like what, $200 million. <laughs> I mean, he's not going to do that stuff. Yeah. I think guys do it. You know, Edmonds obviously made a shitload of money. They do it just to like do something. Yeah. It just has it's not, like, it's not like he like needs the, you know, whatever yeah. it is. And enjoy it to a certain right. extent. But now Wainwright was awesome when he was on with AJ Prezinski. Yeah, who's the great. who's the play by play guy? Do you remember? But I he was don't. on in the in the White Sox Astros. Uh, yeah, he was doing. Yeah, he, and he was eating, and, and it was so good. But Schumacher, I said, man, if that dude wanted to broadcast, he'd be so good. I've heard the same thing. Same yeah. thing though with Wainwright. If yeah. he wanted to broadcast or manage, mm -hmm. Schumacher didn't make the money that Wainwright did. Still a multimillionaire, um, and he has, and he is acting as a coach, and he is an up-and-coming coach. I also think he's younger than me. I would imagine yeah. we're around the same age. Probably in the same three-year yeah. Um But I've heard that he's just, like, such an awesome guy. And, like, we'll engage guy with anybody. principal, he's 41, yeah. So, um, yeah, he's a guy. And, I, and here's the reason why I think he would, because I don't think people be like, oh, it's just another puppet. It's another appointed puppet. Even though he might kind of be... 
And by that, I mean, might be a selected organization guy who is going to take orders from the front office, like most managers in baseball now anyway. Yeah. Uh, he wouldn't be part of the chain. I think if anything, people want to see the chain broken, mm -hmm. even if Marmola Clapp wind up being great hires. So with that all said, um, the thing that I think changes the relationship between the fan base and the organization, not entirely, but to move the approval rating up is a big free agent signing and only a big free agent signing. That's it. That's it. Or John Mazalak being terminated, which I don't think is necessarily the right move, even though I know that's blasphemy at this moment. Um, but I know that people don't like him. And what I'm trying to tell you is he doesn't care. No. Um, but it's not that he doesn't care in the sense that he doesn't care. I don't think he's even aware. And also, even if I presented it to him, I really want to do this interview. Um, I really do. And it would be, it would be interesting. It would really would be interesting, but it's just, it's like, when do you do it? Yeah. Um, for so many reasons, you got the CBA, you got, they're in a managerial search. I mean, it's just, yeah. I don't know what the right time is to really like have a, but to say, Hey, the fan base is unhappy, man. And a lot of it, I think, is directed toward you. And I would absolutely say that. Everybody who's listening to this podcast knows, you know, the, the dark places I will go, you know. And I think that that's a, that's a big factor for a lot of the unhappiness. And yet, in your tenure, you've won two pennants, a world championship, and the team's been in the postseason, like, all but 10, 16, 17, and 18. Yep. You know, it, it's almost odd that he would even have to like, right? With, questions so that's why his response when we kind of asked it a few years ago was, "Are you, have they not been entertained?" Yeah, was kind of like, "Who are these peasants, and are they not entertained by the bountiful feast I've provided?" You know. Yeah. Whereas I think Doug Armstrong, if I were to ask him the question, now granted we're what two years removed from a Stanley Cup winning season, so it'll be a little fucking weird. But <laughs> let's say it's 2027 and people are getting banty, and he's still the GM. And he, he wouldn't say that. He goes, yeah, I understand. I'm a little pissed off too. That's the difference. Yeah. Because fans are emotional. Yep. And so it's always a good thing. I mean, I'm not going political here, but, you know, I guess I am. It's not intended. It's, it's, I'm, going, I'm going emotional versus analytical. Sure. But the people who loved Barack Obama also didn't love Donald Trump. And the people who loved Donald Trump didn't love Barack Obama. Now, you can go, well, yeah, because the people who love Donald Trump are racist. And I'd go, fuck off. That's not what I'm saying at all. Or the people who love Barack Obama, they love the blacks. So that's got to be, that's not what I'm saying. I'm an Obama guy. Not a, not a real big secret here. And I know we have plenty of people who are Trump people who listen. Or people like, ah, I, guess I get a lot of the emails that say, I really don't agree, I agree with your politics, but I appreciate the way you frame arguments because I think you're coming from an honest place. The reason why I am in part is because I thought it was sincere and I thought he would think through things at a level that even if the conclusion wouldn't be popular, he still would go with it. Yeah. Why did Trump work? Now that I realize is a nine hour podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but for the purpose of this discussion, he's going to go down the road. Not, I'm not by any means saying that Doug Armstrong, he's going, he's emotional. Yeah. The facts and the analysis we're moving targets, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes within a matter of a minute of each other, but he would fire people up and that resonates with people. Yeah. I don't know when the last time, uh, Barack Obama had platitudes, but he was, but his speeches in content were boring. Mm -hmm. His speeches in his ability as an orator 
were brilliant. Yeah. But his he as an interview was rather brutal. And he would acknowledge it. I mean, hell, like, like I said, I, when I was driving down to Florida last December, and I'm like listening to his book, and he's the one voicing it. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on with this book? <laughs> <laughs> and I went into it, and I couldn't have been more excited, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, if Trump released a book, even though I'd be like, oh, my fucking God, this is, I mean, I'm just like, oh, my God, he lied about that. Oh, my God, he's making this up. But I'd be listening to it, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I think that there's something to be said for showing some emotion. Yeah. I, <laughs> and I think I one of the reasons why fans immediately bought into the 2021 Cardinals in September wasn't just because they were winning, but because the players were getting fired up. That, that was a part of it for me. Yes. Yeah. Whereas before, it wasn't just a criticism of Zaylock or DeWitt or Schilt. It's like, these guys seem like they're bored and yeah. it's boring. Yeah. So there's something to be said for emotion. If I were helping manage a candidate... I wouldn't say, hey, follow the Donald Trump playbook. I wouldn't ever say that. But I would say, hey, look at what two of the most popular presidents, albeit two of the most opposite human beings you could find, yeah. and why they are as beloved by two totally different groups of people. And it's because they would rally them. And I don't even know if people were necessarily paying attention to the things that Barack Obama was saying outside of like idealistic platitudes that he could deliver like a pastor, really. Yeah, uh -huh. um, and then Trump would just like shit on people. <laughs> and people would be like, this is fucking great. Yeah. Because we've been called racist and we don't think we're racist. So fuck them. And we all have common enemies. And this guy's the president. And this is great. So now they're finally listening to us. That's what I think a lot of it was about. Yeah. Um, and then some people disliked the policy because it was good for their, their money. And I understand all. I, I Listen, I understand all of it. Whether I agree with it or not, doesn't matter. And I think with the Cardinals and the Blues, people see Tom Stillman crying. And they're like, he's as invested in this as I am. And that's not the Cardinal style. And so, you know, if the Cardinals had so, and that's, I think in a way, I got, I mean, it's 1137. I mean, I mean, you are so getting paid. I wasn't much of a and sweat. I could, and I could go, and I could, and I haven't even got, I got so many Drinkwitz emails and it fucking sucks. I was ready to go on it. And I got the thing that says, yes, anal. And I didn't even get to that. We're getting better at teasing. That. We're getting better at teasing. Oh my God. I probably might have to do another podcast. Cause I guess the doctor's appointment. I can't, I can't not go to it. Yeah. Um, is that people love emotion. Mm -hmm. If it matches with their emotion. Democrats hated John Boehner crying. You might not even know who the hell John Boehner is. No. Speaker of the House. Smoked a lot of darts. <laughs> During Obama's presidency, by the way, Republicans made fun of Barack Obama when he would cry. Uh -huh. um, not that he cried a lot. I would watch Bill Clinton cry, and I felt like it was Meryl Streep. <laughs> so it depends on where we all are on things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... but it it depends on if you match up with the person, because if you're a Blackhawks fan and you see the blues owner crying, you'd go, look at this fucking guy. Yeah. But if you're a blues fan and you see Tom Stillman crying, you're like, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Cause he you cares know? like we do. Yes. Yeah. So it depends on the audience, but overall human beings are brought together and have as a common bond emotion. Yep. And the Cardinals as an organization, recently have been emotionless. They operate with, with that emotion. Yes, with and that does not resonate. And so what smartest guy in the room means, or the use of the word arbitrage, or the cardigan sweater thrown over the shoulders, all actually means is 
unrelatable. That's what it means. That's what it means because it sure as hell can't be about success. This thing that the Cardinals haven't won a World Series in the last 10 years, I'm like, fuck, the Yankees haven't won one since 2009. Yeah. The, the Dodgers hadn't won one since 1988. Yeah. They've both been pretty fucking good, though. I mean, are we really, is that the bar? If you don't win a World Series every decade, I mean, what are we doing here? We're, yeah, not, we're setting ourselves up for some weird that's shit. That's insane. You know? Yeah. And then with the Blues, if they don't win a chalice in the next decade, which I'm not expecting, I'm hoping for. But what is that? That's an indication that Stillman doesn't care. It's just this is, you know, we gotta gotta kind of be, you know, first off, self aware, number one, and then also, you know, not many teams win these fucking things. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. But they did go to the NLCS in 11, 12, 13, 14, won 100 games in 15, and NLCS in 19, and rattled off a, like a world record winning streak in September of 2021 after trading for John Lester and. Jay Happ, and yeah. somehow Luis Garcia started throwing 100 miles an hour out of nowhere. Been a solid decade. Yeah, I mean, but here's the issue. Mazalak doesn't talk like Doug Armstrong does. And uh -huh. it's not like Doug Armstrong's out there talking all the time, or Eli Drinkwitz does. Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at designairservice.com. Seth Goldcamp and his staff will take great care of you. Design Air Heating and Cooling is online at designairservice.com. Inevitably, right around October 20th, the weather turns and it doesn't turn back. And uh, right now, though, man, I look at this forecast, bees knees yeah, this super weekend. Strong, super strong. Woo, St. Gabriel's School picnic. Oh, is that this weekend? That's right. Wow. It is going to be prime. Um, yeah, usually in June. So it is, uh, it is uh, golden this weekend. Uh, but when it turns rough, design air, heating, and cooling. Let Seth Goldcamp and his staff take great care of you. Designairservice.com. And Mark Hanna of Evergreenwell Strategies. Jackson, I always yield to you because you're actually working yeah. with Mark. I work with Mark more as like an advisor. He is actually your guy. Yeah. And so you can tell us why you are a fan. Well, and I think that's what you said there, an advisor, because that's what he is. You know, he advises you. He's not going to just say, here's, here's what you're going to do. This is the best thing for you. He's going to explain it. He's going to teach you. He's going to educate you on what plan or what strategy is going to be best for you for your future. And I think that's really, really important because it gives you so much more clarity. It takes so much stress off of you to understand what you're doing with your money, uh, especially for something so as important as saving for your future. And Mark really, really, really does a great job with educating people, letting them know what their best option is. And he helps people at any stage of life. You know, I'm just getting started. I just got a you know, job, making a little money. He's explaining to me what the best strategies are to save that money and, uh, you know, not have those worries down the future, but he'll take care of you if you're you know, your 30s, 40s, any stage of life. Mark can help you out because he's so talented and he's such a good person to talk to. I love talking to Mark every single time I talk to him, whether it be calling him for the radio show or just talking to him in general because he's a cool guy and really, really, really good at what he does. So if you don't have somebody, if you're just going to plan on figuring this stuff out later down the road, don't do that. Please don't. Instead, call Mark Hanna, have him take care of you. And if you do have someone already, please consider making the switch because Mark really is that good. 314-889-0503, 314-889-0503, or go online at evergreenstl.com. That's Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And now we have officially reached 1140 and you've been paid. And I mean, just, just shipped it too. Yeah, and I would, I would have bet against you. Wasn't sweating. Cause I'm so aware of how many good emails we have. And I did what? Two. 
I mean, there, and a lot of them are about Mizzou. I mean, this is, and, and like I said, there's the one here, ah, yes, anal. God, that's such a good A while title. back, you were talking about people, particularly youngs, having anal sex prior to having real intercourse, and then the guy goes into the whole thing. That's a thing? I, yeah, it is. <laughs> is it? Okay. I don't think, knowing you are a Jewish gentleman, where yeah. he is going, I am here to confirm that it does indeed happen. Growing up in a Christian home, I was raised okay. to believe that sex was a horrible, wretched, sinful act that you should say for marriage. Once married, it becomes sacred and beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I never heard I, that. Yeah, that's different. Well, it's not It's not something that you would hear. No, but I'm interested. It's, it's yeah. certainly Well, I know, and it's 1141, and I got a doctor's appointment, and I've got like five more hours worth of shit to say. <laughs> Let's go tomorrow, then. Fuck. What do I have tomorrow? I know I have something else tomorrow. <laughs> oh, it's not until four. That's still not enough time. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this thing that starts, ah, yes, anal, finishes, P.S. Big Jackson Lemming. So there Woo! you go. It's perfect for yeah, you. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, I haven't even finished the email. I don't know. Let's see. I guess his whole point is, uh, I was afraid of what might happen if I were to have, um, do you say vaginal or vaginal? Vaginal. Yeah. Yeah. I get I get scolded sometimes for my pronunciations <laughs> of female parts oh, that I've some of which I've yet to locate. <laughs> uh, I had a few friends, also Christian, that had explored anal with their significant others. Explored. <laughs> <laughs> but again, not participated in quote unquote real sex. This was being treated as a loophole in our community. Sex, but without the guilt of shame or shame. Oh, okay. I participated in this for a good couple of years before escaping that world. And the backassery, literally, that came with it. Growing up in it, it felt normal. Many people I knew were exploring this loophole, but still calling themselves virgins. In that community, the term virgin was a badge of honor, unlike other high school communities most grow up around. I'm not in the business of kink shaming. You do you, boo. Mm -hmm. But looking back, I think that the psychology behind this is truly fascinating. So I wanted to share my little piece of it. Is this the first you are hearing this of this? I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, and also Jackson's and any other listener that may have a similar experience. Cheers, P.S. Big Jackson Lemming. That comes from Cal. This will not count against your bet, though. It's being read after 1140. Right. That's, that's still the undercover. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I've never I'm aware of that. of that. Not yeah. in my world, but I'm just aware of it existing. You know? Well, I guess it's been I'm also news. aware that you know guys will meet up and blow each other at rest stops, but it doesn't mean I'm like hanging out at rest stops, you know? No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's been somewhat in the news with the with the Mormon thing I saw uh, recently, but and yeah, I, I I get like I get why that's a thing. I just have never heard of it before, and uh, I is think is oral sex sex to you? Uh, I mean, it falls under the umbrella, but if you, I believe, if you like receive or give oral sex, you're and not vaginal penetration, you're still a virgin. Okay. If that's how I is anal sex sex to you. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna count. I'm wow, gonna, here we go. So I'm gonna we count got the whole thing. I'm gonna, but it's like, but, but then like this, what that email is like building up this big grand conversation. Truly, it is of a what whole religion. thing. Yeah, it's there's so many so moving it's parts. It's like yeah, you you know where you're gonna see a lot of anal sex, the South, and people go, what the fuck are you talking about? But then you have that email, and yeah. that, there you that, go. Yeah, that then that so, makes so sense. So I'm aware of it. So yeah. yes, the SEC is an anal hotbed, and that is how we will close our podcast. That might be the title. <laughs> <laughs> People be like, "Wow, man, yeah. he was on Drinkwitz." I tip my cap, but where is he going with this one? Yeah, and they won't really know why it's called <laughs> that until the last oh three minutes. <laughs> oh, God, I mean, I was loaded for bear, and I went through what? I read three, but only two counted. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. 
I am not right. <laughs> and it's not necessarily said to celebrate anything outside of, oh, I'm now 45 and I'm recognizing I'm not right. Yeah. But there's money in being not right if you can kind of control the not rightness. Mm -hmm. But I am now recognizing, and perhaps it's a byproduct of my free agency this year, and going, God, I don't think I do anything special. And I go, I don't do anything special. I'm just fucked up, but I don't really act out. So yeah, I hear that he's, I'm like a safe fuck up, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Cause a lot of the great radio personalities have a lot of off the air issues. Certainly. <sighs> this is a deep dive. Yeah. There's a whole lot going on in this thing. I mean, where do you want to go? I didn't even read anything drink wits and there's a bunch of those. I got Cal's email about anal Yeah. and the needed. SEC being an anal hotbed. Uh, you know? yeah. I mean, which, which SEC school has the most anal? What do you think? Oh, wow. It's one of the it's one of the two Mississippi schools, <laughs> either Oxford you think, or Starkville. You think Starkville is like where they call Belladonna it went. I think they they call it Stark Vegas for a reason. Man, we got a whole thing going. Maybe on. Maybe Auburn. I hate this. I got, but I got to go see my. Uh, I got to see my doctor. I got to yeah. see what's doing. I've been having too much anal. That's the reason. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to have him control my gape. <laughs> You've been going to <laughs> cowbelling too re much recently. Yeah, me and Stingray. <laughs> Uh, all right. That's uh, going to do it. Wow. What a wonderful podcast. Yeah. Uh, all we've done is left the audience wanting more and getting better at teasing. I don't, I mean, I, I got more on the Cardinals. I didn't even get into Missouri minus the SEC and the anal thing. Um, what else do we have? I mean, we got all kinds of things. This guy has another one. that was really good. Are there any past TMA or morning grind era segments that you wish you could undo? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, take us into the room to the extent you can. If there's a political situation like January 6th, how do you all agree or not to discuss a topic? Uh, anything you miss about living in the city versus Kirkwood? This is just from one guy. I mean, I had a, I, I mean, I was loaded for bear today. We can, I, hey, if you want to go tomorrow, I'm ready to roll tomorrow. I'm ready to roll. I love, that's the thing. I love doing I the do, podcast. It's so much fun. I love doing the podcast and yeah. I want to, I want to do a deep dive on Cal and his anal. Maybe we yeah. need to have Cal on as a guest. <laughs> Punch him in. <laughs> yeah, Cal, tell us about your anal. And which SEC school And I got to tell you something. I mean, listen, I got full transparency. I've got the threesomes. I've got the foursomes. It's wonderful. I'm a big advocate. I think it's great for relationships. Jackson, going going forward, I think I really recommend it for you. Mm -hmm. Just like I recommended Mark Hanna and Evergreenwell yeah. Strat. That's the big two. Two different things. <laughs> I, think, I think both will bring you happiness and it's fulfillment. True. True. One is socially acceptable to talk about. One is kind of, but it has to be the right crowd. Yeah. Uh, the other one keeps me from ever having to MC shit, which I love. <laughs> yeah, talking perfect. to another guy, he goes, well, I think if you did this, you'd really like it to blow up your brand. I go, I don't want my brand blown up. No. I love the fact that I'm never asked to MC see anything you You've have no idea how much i love like if somebody goes well we're gonna take you know x amount off your salary but then you won't have to mc anything i go take it <laughs> yeah seriously take it yeah i don't want to do anything to do with that shit uh so yeah i i think that the the DraftKings cal email is is a topic that i could go on for two hours on yeah i think that the cardinal one is i continue on and then the drinkwitz thing because in a way i guess i called it but i didn't call that they were going to be this bad yeah, what I, I called was Missouri fans' opinions of him are going to change so substantially over the next few months. And to me, that struck me as super obvious. Mm -hmm. So I got that. I guess what I've got going on in this podcast, outside of like a lot of fucking Adderall, is good reads on people. <laughs> that, that's, what, that's what we got going on on here. Now, the people come to the podcast not for that. But if we could go through the podcast, going back to when we started, there'd be a lot of boxes we'd be checking on uh, knowing who's 
legit and who's not and who's going to have success and who's not and who's a fraud and who's not and the whole fucking thing. But Cal's email about anal is where we'll end it. Uh, I think it's the right place to end it. Absolutely. And uh, I, what I was about to say is for as much of a seasoned veteran as I am on the uh, on the uh, on the uh, group sex scene, uh, I am not a seasoned veteran on the anal scene hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and not really like angry about it or like, oh, I'd like to check that. You know, if somebody could say you could have lesbianism or you could have anal, I mean, it, I, I insta ship. Where yeah. are you on that? Probably the same way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not anti, it's just not. And I think I got to tell you, and that's kind of where I wanted to go with this. And now it's 1149. <laughs> <laughs> I could bet another thing is you not leaving oh, at 1140. Yeah, I mean, that was, a, that was also a lot. <laughs> I, I knew that it wasn't going to happen. But I set myself up at 1140. This is like when Stern keeps somebody after he goes, you've said it all. And then he, <laughs> then he goes into another 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, is, uh, is, um, I can't, I don't think, I don't think most women really enjoy it. I don't see how they could. And, and, and that's one thing. Now that's when women start to kind of discover themselves and get comfortable with the sexuality in their twenties or thirties. If this is going on in your teens, like on the, you know, down on the plains of War Eagle, I can't imagine anybody's really doing great work no. or enjoying themselves all that much. I mean, maybe the great thing about it at that point is it's probably not going to last that long. Yeah, that's probably that's your saving grace. Yeah, but God, I mean, this is something. I mean, you got to pack a lunch if you're going to go on anal hunting. I mean, you got to yeah. pack. Everybody's got to be prepared. Yeah, that's that. So I, I don't want to get into story time at oh, all. Oh, you got one. I, it's just it was proposed to me. During... You were about to get pegged like Rockio. No, 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 no. Flip the flip, reverse, reverse. You had it, it proposed to you and you rejected it? I said I need 48 hours notice. <laughs> I said I need some time to process. That's the title of this podcast. <laughs> now need, we got it. 48 need, hours notice. I need 48 hours notice. And you have notice. to listen to the whole thing to figure out why. <laughs> I need 48 hours notice before anything like that has got to Why? I the just, fuck do you care? It was just too... I was, that was a, it was a, it was a big commitment on my part. Not really. Why? It's a bigger commitment on her part, but it's... I just, I, I needed so some time. So hold on a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wanted you. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're, I can already tell you're spot on. Yeah. And then you said, I need 48 hours. At least 24. You're Larry David. Yeah, I need, I just need, I need some. That's some, a Curb Your Enthusiasm. It is. Episode waiting to happen. I just need some, get my ducks in a row before we make, I need them. I think we need to write that script. <laughs> For Larry David, we have to have the scene. Yeah. Where it gets proposed. I, um, I need forty hours. You can't just spring. And then he's down. talking about it with Jeff and Ted Danson. Yeah, it's it's like it's like a weekend trip to the lake. You can't, I just can't. You can't text me Friday and I'm ready to go. I need forty eight. Maybe. But why? 20. I just I don't know. I just wasn't ready at the time. And but it's not your problem. That's no problem. It's, it's not. Assuming it was a friend of the feather, not not Gareth. <laughs> it wasn't Garth. <laughs> A, I gotta go. Out. I mean, I, yeah. I can't. I mean, I could do ten more hours of this podcast. Yeah. All right. The title. Of, what's the title? Forty eight hours. Notice. I need forty eight hours. Notice. There it is. Thank yep. you to our sponsors, the emailers, Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. This has been the Tim McKernan Show. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it. My Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. 
So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.